perfect people. Right. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. We started last week about talking about a perfect person. But the rest of people we're going to talk about in this series are people who are filled with flaws, people who are filled with imperfections and failures. And yet God used them in huge ways, in legendary ways. In fact, that's why we're calling this series legendary. We are looking at a legendary passage of scripture, one of the biggest passages of scripture in the whole Bible. I love it so much. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, your notes, your LifeGate app, you might want to turn there today and get ready because we're talking about Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And I'm telling you, in this in this chapter, there are some amazing men and women, people like Moses and Abraham, people like Joseph and Rahab, incredible men and women of God that God used in amazing, legendary ways because of their faith. And what we're doing in this series is we're just imagining, just imagine if you could have a conversation with Moses, what would he tell you? Like if you could, if you could sit down and have coffee with Abraham, what would he say from his life that he would want to pass on to your life? If you could, I mean, if you could have a FaceTime conversation with Rahab, what should, what would she share with you? And what would we boil down to one or two things that we can learn from each one of their lives? And today we're going to talk about a legendary man of God, one that so many of you, I know you're going to know all about this guy as soon as I say it, even if you didn't grow up in church, I'm sure you know the story of the guy that we're going to talk about today, a guy named Noah. Come on, how many know what Noah did? If you know it, say it. He built an ark. Of course, he built the ark and God used him in incredible ways. In fact, we see what the scripture has to say about him in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number seven. Let's look at it together. It says what? By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, he did what? Everybody say it aloud. He built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. God used Noah in an incredible way. You see, God looked down and he saw the sin. He saw the wickedness of this world and he determined that he would destroy the world. But when he looked down, he saw one man, a man named Noah, a man who was so righteous, a man who had such great faith and such great obedience in God and in the word of God that through this one man, the whole world would be saved. In fact, if you're gonna, if you were gonna just boil it down to one bottom line, just kinda one key thought, if Noah could tell you one thing, I believe this is the one thing that he would tell every one of us today, and that is this. If you're taking notes, you might wanna write this down. That one person can make a difference. Everybody look at your neighbor, just tell them. One person can make a difference. One person can make a difference. You see, the truth is so many times we hear stories of great men and women like like Noah and we think, well, you know, of course they can make a difference because, I mean, they are like legendary heroes of the faith. And sometimes it's difficult for us to kind of relate a little bit because we think, well, I'm just one person and I'm not really all that special and I don't really have all that much special to offer and I don't, you know, make a lot of money and I don't really have a lot of talents or a lot of gifts. I'm not really all that good at that much and I didn't, you know, I didn't grow 
grow up in a wealthy in a wealthy town or a wealthy family, and I don't really know a whole lot of important people. I'm just little old me from Burleson, or I'm just little old me from Cleburne, you know, or I'm just I'm just little old me from Alvarado. You know, if you're from Alvarado, you don't say Alvarado, you say Alvarado, right? I'm from Alvarado, and that's just who I am, and I ain't got much to offer, and I can't really do a whole lot. But what, let me tell you something here today: if Noah could have a conversation with you, here's what he would say that even just one person, even a person like you could make a difference if you will surrender your life and obey what God calls you to do. In fact, I want to see a couple of things from Noah's life, a couple of the differences that Noah made that I believe that every single one of us here today, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what gifts or talents, I believe you can make this difference as well. If you're taking notes, write it down. The first one is this. I believe that one person can make a difference for your family. How many know today that so many times we have these great, big, grand visions of what we're going to do in this life and all the world that we're going to change? But can I tell you something? It starts right in your own home. It starts right with your own family. In fact, that's what we see happen with Noah. Look at verse number seven. Look what it says. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to do what? Everybody say it out loud. To save his family. See, Noah's first priority was his family. Like Noah wasn't even thinking about the world. You know what he was thinking about? He was thinking about his wife and his kids. He was thinking about his family. He made that his first priority. And here's the deal, guys, is that some of us look at our life and go, I can't make a big difference in the world. And maybe by yourself right now, you can't make that big of a difference in the world. But guess what? You can make a difference in your world. You can make a difference in your home, in your family. Moms and dads here today, guess what? God has placed a responsibility upon you. We talked about it in the dedications today that we are responsible for the, for the well-being of our children, not just physically, but emotionally and even spiritually. And God has placed them under our care so that we can make a difference for their lives. Let me talk to the men here for just a second. How many men do we have in the house? Come on, let me hear you. Come on, give me a good man grunt, you know. All the men in the house, let me just tell you something. You can make a difference in your household. If you would decide to be a man of God, man, I think it's time for some men to man up. If you would decide, I'm going to be a man of God, and I'm going to follow after God's plan, and I'm going to be obedient even when it doesn't seem to make sense, guess what? Your kids are watching. Your wife is watching. The family is watching, and they will follow after you, and you can make a difference for their life if you will decide today. Let me talk to the ladies. Come on, we got any ladies in the house today? Come on. That was a little higher pitched than the other one a second ago. You can make a difference in your family too. Guess what? If, even if you would just decide, I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my husband that he would be the man of God that God called him to be. I'm going to support his gifts and his dreams. I'm going to pray for my children. I'm going to help them to develop the God-given gifts that God has placed in their life. I'm telling you, you can make a difference for your family. I'm just one person. Well, guess what? One person can make a big difference in your family. Number two, write this one down. Not only can we make a difference in our family, one person can make a difference for the future. Come on, somebody say, for the future. For the future, let me just see what, what it says about Noah in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 7. After the flood had come, I want you to see what God says to Noah. He says, and as for you, I want you to be what? I want you to be fruitful. And I want you to increase in number. And I want you to multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Noah started out, his only motivation and his only goal was to save his family. But because he was obedient to God, not only did it save 
save his family. It saved the whole human race. It changed the future. And some of you are here today and you're saying, man, I'm not, I'm not anybody special. I'm just one person. How can my one thing make any difference? And I'm telling you that right now it may seem like it's not making very much of a difference. In fact, that's kind of the way that it works is that, is that sometimes we do little acts of obedience and then we wonder why is it not big stuff that's happening? And what we have to understand is that it's not just the stuff that we see right here and right now that's making the difference. When we do what God has called us to do, it's as if we plant seeds in the ground that we may not see the harvest now, but in the future we will see those seeds come to great harvest. Even little bitty acts of obedience can make a big difference for the future. Man, I think about it in my own life. Man, I think about when we first moved here to plant this church. I mean, little acts of obedience for us. That was a big act of obedience. And you think about we moved our family to a new community to start a brand new church. Only four of us didn't have didn't have much money, didn't have much going for us. It was a huge sacrifice for us. But when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, you might look at it and go, well, what difference does that make? I, you know, how can, you know, a couple people that moved to a new town to start a church really make all that much of a difference? In fact, you know, I mean, there's a town that has all kinds of churches in it. They're in the Metroplex. It has thousands the church and what is what is one more church and one more family in in all of these people that that need to be reached and the truth is sometimes it seems pretty small like even even if we grow to hundreds which we have or even to thousands which we will what difference does it does it really make in the grand scope of all of the people that need to be reached for the gospel but what we have to understand is it's not just about the difference we're making right here and right now it's about the seeds that we are planting for the future you think about Noah you think that when he built that ark do you think he was really thinking about us later in the future no I don't think he even got that far he was just thinking God told me to do it and I'm going to do it but guess what? When he obeyed, it made a difference, not just for his family. It made a difference for the future. So some of you are here today and say, I want to make a difference. In fact, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I want to make a difference. Come on. I want my life to count. All right. What are we going to have to do if we want our lives to count? Well, let's look at Noah's life. I want you to see what it's going to take to be people who are going to make a difference. If you're taking notes, you can write these five things down. The first one is this. If we're really going to make a difference, guess what? We're going to have to be people who are not afraid to stand out. Everybody say stand out. How many know when you decide to really make a difference, when you decide to really follow God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to stand out in the crowd. You're going to look different, aren't you? I mean, I can, I can just imagine, you know, Noah there. Here he is. He's building his ark. Can you imagine? Just put yourself there for just a second. Here he is. He's building this ark. You know, imagine what he looked like to his neighbors. Neighbors coming up. Here you're out in the front yard building this big old boat. And they're going, what are you doing, Noah? Come on, right? Noah's like, I'm building an ark. What's an ark? Well, it's a big boat for the, you know, for the storm that's coming. What's a storm? Well, it's going to rain. It's going to flood. What's that? They didn't even know what rain was. It had never even rained to that point. And here is Noah building an ark. I mean, he must to look crazy like what are you smoking Noah man something wrong with you right and how many know that when you really decide to follow God you're gonna look crazy you're gonna stand out in fact if you're taking notes you might want to write this down if you want to make a difference you're gonna have to be different because if you just blend into the crowd and do what everybody else is doing, guess what? You're just going to blend in. It ain't going to make no difference. But when you decide that I'm going to use my life to do something that really matters, guess what? You're going to stick out like a sore thumb in the culture that we live in today. I mean, when you decide as a mom or a dad, hey, we're going to be at church every weekend. Guess what? 
all the other moms and dads that are at soccer games and all the other stuff every weekend are going to be going, what's the matter with you? Like, we go to church, we're Christians, we go on Easter and Christmas. I mean, why are you going every Sunday, right? Come on. When you decide to, hey, I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give God the first 10% of my income, I'm going to do that. Guess what? That's going to stand out because most people don't do that. Even most Christians, you know, that the statistics tell us only about, only about 2% of all Christians actually tithe. Come on. And you're going to be different. You're going to look different. When you decide, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to do the ministry that God has called me to be. Some of you young people are here today, and God's going to call you into full-time ministry. And when you go tell your parents that, I want to go to Bible college and be a pastor. They're going to be like, what's wrong with you? There ain't no future in that. There ain't no money in that. Come on, right? And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to step out and be different. When you decide, man, I'm not going to live with my girlfriend before we get married. We're going to keep ourselves pure. That's going to be different than what you see in the culture that we live in. Today, you see, if you're going to make a difference, you're going to have to be different. You can't be afraid to stand out. Number two, write this one down. If you're going to, if you're going to make a difference, you can't be afraid to work hard. Everybody say work hard. hard. Now think about it, man. When I said, who wants to make a difference? Everybody raise your hand. And why did you raise your hand? Because making a difference is glamorous. Seems like it, doesn't it? Like who wouldn't want to be in the hall of fame of faith? Like have my name up there with... Moses and Aaron and all, right? I mean, who wouldn't want that? And, and so many times we see, hey, making a difference, that's a, that's a glamorous job. But let me just tell you something, it ain't glamorous. In fact, if you could define making a difference by two words, I'd put it down to these two words. You ready for this? Hard work. It's hard work. You think about Noah for just a second. Think about his life. I mean, just imagine. Here he is. He's out there building this ark. And imagine how big this thing had to be to get two of each animal in that ark. I mean, just imagine the size. It's massive. And think about this for just a second. Noah didn't have Home Depot. He couldn't just run down. Hey, I forgot something. I mean, he didn't have heavy machinery. They didn't have power tools. They didn't even have tools. He had to make his own tools before he could even start building building the ark. And he did it. I mean, it's hard work. He did it with his own two hands. And then just imagine you get the thing built. All right. Hey, look, I got it built. Now, how are we going to get all these animals on there, man? That's got to be work, right? Then you get all the animals onto the, onto the big ark. And just imagine what it's like keeping that thing clean, right? Those of you that are parents, you know what I'm talking about. I just cleaned this. And now, come on, right? And, and we, we, we look at Noah and we see him in the hall of fame of faith. And we think, woo, isn't that glamorous? And I want to, I want to do that. And I want to be that. But when you think about it, it was hard work. Guess what, guys? It ain't going to be easy. To make a difference in our community. It ain't easy. In fact, I, you know, I think about it. Sometimes people come to the church here at LifeGate now and they go, man, this, this looks glamorous. You get to get up there and talk and, you know, five, six hundred people come and listen to you talk and stuff. And let me just tell you something. I remember sometimes when there weren't no five hundred, six hundred people out there. I remember when we first got this, when we first got this building, my wife and, and myself, we painted the whole thing with our own two hands by ourselves. You talk about work. You just get up there and preach. No, we were working. Man, I tell you this, I've cleaned every bathroom in this place more than once. It'd help if y'all flush a little bit every now and then, you know? I mean, I'm just saying, it's work. Sometimes we go, hey, man, you know, you're just a pastor. All you do is get up there and talk for 30 minutes every Sunday and then play golf and eat fried chicken the rest of the week, you know? I mean, what do you really do? Well, let me just tell you something. Even just to get up here and talk for 30 minutes, you know, it doesn't just take 30 minutes. It takes hours of work, of preparation, and then get up here and say it three times on Easter, five times. You think it's hard to listen to it once. Just imagine listening to yourself say it five times, you know? I mean, and I'm, I'm just goofing around a little bit, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that making a difference is hard work. 
Like if you're not ready to roll up your sleeves and go to work, then you're not ready to make a difference. And guess what? It's not just work for you. You know what? When God gives a man a vision, it's not just work for the person that has the vision. It's work for everybody else around him that's following him. I mean, you think about Noah for a second. God gave Noah a vision and Noah went to work. But guess what? It meant that his family had to go to work too. And guess what? God has given us a vision as a church. And that means it's not just me and the staff and the leaders of this church that got to go to work. It's all of us, right? If you're going to, if you're going to make a difference, you're going to have to be able to stand out. You can't be afraid to work hard. Number three, you can't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Guess what? I mean, think about Noah here for just a second. Imagine, put yourself in, in their shoes. Imagine you're in that, you're in that ark. Imagine how unpleasant it was. All these animals, like, I mean, imagine how stinky and dirty and nasty and grimy and smelly that it must have been. I mean, it, it, was, it was an uncomfortable place. And here's the deal, guys. When we decide that we're going to make a difference, you know what it's going to do? It's going to stretch us to places that are uncomfortable. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. If you are worried about protecting your comfort, you're not going to make much of a contribution. It's true. Those who are worried about their comfort don't make a contribution. But those who make the biggest contribution are those who are willing to get uncomfortable. Those who are willing to do what stretches them. In fact, I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. He says, never throughout history has a man who lived a life of ease left a name that is worth remembering. Man, think about that for a minute. If we're going to make a difference, we can't be afraid to stand out. We can't be afraid to work hard. We can't be afraid to be uncomfortable. We can't be afraid, number four, to take a risk. Everybody say, take a risk. Guess what? Making a difference requires faith, requires some some risk. I mean, you think about Noah for just a second. Think about the, the risk that he took. I mean, here he is building, building this giant boat. I mean, imagine if, if there would have never been a flood. Imagine how foolish Noah would have looked. Imagine, imagine the, the resources and the time and the money that would have been misspent and would have been wasted. Imagine, imagine the risk that Noah was taking. But now I want you to imagine if Noah wouldn't have taken the risk. Imagine the lives that it would have been destroyed. The entire human race would no longer exist if it wasn't for Noah being a person that lived by faith. In fact, the scripture teaches us in Hebrews chapter 11, the passage that we are studying, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Guess what, guys? If we're going to live a life that pleases God, we're going to have to be people who are willing to step out of what is comfortable and take some faith risks sometimes so that we can obey and please what God has called us to do. In fact, you study the book of Hebrews and you study chapter 11. Every one of these men and women that were in this hall of fame of faith, the reason that they were mentioned in this incredible chapter, every single one of them, it was because of their faith. You will see by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Do you want to live a legendary life that makes a difference? It's going to require some faith. It's going to require us to be people who are not, not afraid to stand out and work hard and be uncomfortable and take a risk. Number five, it's going to require people who are not afraid to stay the course. Guess what? Making a difference is not going to be easy. There's going to be problems. There's going to be struggles all along the way. There's going to be obstacles that we are going to face. I want you to think about the timeline of Noah. I just did a little study on this, and I found that it took Noah. Are you ready for this? It took Noah a hundred years. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell them, a hundred years. A hundred years to build the ark. It took him a hundred years. Think about that for a minute. 
Think about God tells you to do something and you do it and you've done it for a year and five years and 10 years, 30 years and 40 years and 50 years. And you're only halfway there, a hundred years. Then he got the ark built and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. That's a lot of rain. Just imagine how he must have been, how he must have been feeling. Not only that, they got on the ark and they were actually in the ark for 387 days, more than a year. They lived in that ark. Imagine that there were moments for Noah and for his family where they wanted to give up and they wanted to quit. Imagine as they're building that ark year after year after year, as they're living on that ark for more than a year, that it would have been so easy to give up and quit. But the reason that Noah made a difference was because Noah didn't jump ship when it got hard. The truth is there are a lot of people who never make a difference in their life. And the reason they don't is because when times get hard, they jump ship. And if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have to be people that even when it's difficult, even when it's a struggle, even when it's, a, when it's hard, we continue to stay the course. In fact, I love what the scripture tells us in Galatians 6 and verse 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the what? At the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The scripture says, if you want to harvest, if you want to make a difference, if you want your life to count for something, there are going to be hard times and times when you want to give up, but you don't give up. And at the proper time, well, when's the proper time, pastor? You know what? I don't know when the proper time is. You don't know when the proper time is. Our job is not to know the proper time. Our job is just keep doing what we're supposed to be doing. Keep planting the seeds. And when God's time comes, the harvest will come for those that do not give up. God has called us. You may say I'm one person, but guess what? We're a whole bunch of one persons here today. And together we can come together to make a difference. One church can make a difference in this community as we come together. You see, we have a vision. In fact, today is Vision Sunday. We have a vision. We have a vision for making a difference in our community. We have a vision for changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And here's, here's the deal today is that there are so many people in this community and in this world that they are drowning They are drowning in the sin and in the struggle and in the problems of this life. There are storms that are that so many that, you know, your friends, your family members, the people that you love, the people that are your neighbors, the people in this community that are facing storms. Some of them brought on by their own sin. Some of them brought on by the sin of this world. But they are drowning in hurt and struggle and in despair. And the truth is, is that we have the rescue. In fact, that's who we are. That's what we're doing. We're Noah's and we are building a a rescue boat for people who are hurting and people who are lost and people who are struggling so that they can get on board the boat and they can find rescue through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our vision today. Here's the deal. Even though we have that vision, here's the problem. The problem is we want to get everyone on the boat, but our boat ain't big enough. The problem is, is that we've got people that are a part of this community, hundreds, even thousands of people in this community that need a life-giving church like LifeGate Church. And they're coming every single Sunday. They're walking through those doors. The problem is they walk through the doors and we don't have a seat for them to sit in. 
We don't have a place for their kids. We don't have a place for their car to be parked. And people are coming from all over the place. Your friends and your neighbors and your family members and people that you love that you are inviting. And that's exciting, right? I mean, so let's just celebrate for just a second. Last Sunday, Easter Sunday, we did five worship services. And over those five worship services, we were able to welcome 1,052 individual people who came to one of those five services. Come on. That's pretty awesome. 1,052 people who walked through those doors. And that's just individuals. That's not counting That's not counting all the volunteers and things that were here more than once. If we add all that together, there were over 1,200 people who sit in one of these seats on Easter Sunday. And that is awesome. That's amazing. And some of you go, well, that's just Easter and everybody comes to church on Easter. And yes, that is true. But let me just tell you this. Every Sunday, we have over 500 people that come to one of our three services. And the truth is we're growing at a rate over the last two or three years we have grown at a rate of 20 to 25% every single year. You think about that as it grows and the numbers get larger and the percentage stays the same. It's just more and more and more and more and more people. Come on, right? That we are reaching and that's what we're all about. That's why we're doing what we're doing, right? To reach them. But here's the problem is that as we continue to grow, which is what we want because it means more people being able to have the message of Jesus. But as we grow, people come in, they look around and go, there ain't a place for me. So what do we got to do? We got a problem, a good problem, better problem than a lot of churches. It's a good problem, but it's still a problem. So what do we do? We got to make room. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, make room. Make room. So how are we going to make room? Well, there's a few different ways we could do that. I mean, first option is that we could start another service. Yeah. I mean, we did that a year ago. You know what? A year ago, I stood uh, up here a little more than a year ago and told you we're going to start a third service. And some of y'all said, you're crazy. You're going to start a third service. And guess what? We started a third service and that service is pretty much full. Come on, right? Almost every Sunday. So we could start another service and we could do a fourth and we're not against that. In fact, I believe one day we probably will need to do that. But I got good news. We're not going to do that right now. All right. Everybody just breathe a sigh of relief. All of our volunteers, our staff is like celebrating. I'm telling you, they are. Actually, I'm celebrating a little too. I got a little tired after five sermons last week. And so we're not going to do that. What's, what's another option? Well, we could turn people away. But guess what? We're not going to do that. Why? Because we have the message of life change through Jesus Christ. We want to be a boat where everyone can get on and their life can be changed. So what's the third option? Well, the third option is simply this, is that we've got to build a bigger boat. We've got to create more space. We've got, we got to make a place for these folks that need to know Jesus and need to have their life touched by the message of Jesus Christ, a place where they can come. And so I told you I had an exciting announcement, a huge, probably the biggest announcement ever as a church for you, for you this week. And the announcement is this, that over the last several months, myself, our pastor's council, our staff, every smart person that we could come up with to talk to have been planning and preparing and working on a strategy for what is next. And I'm excited to announce today that with, with God's will and with his help this year, that this year before 2007, 17 is up. Our plan is to be able to begin construction on a brand new worship center that will seat 475 people. Come on, right? 
plus expanded lobby space plus expanded nursery space because we're running out in there. And then what's going to happen is all the kids are going to move into this room. This will be the elementary kids. And then where the elementary kids are now, that'll become the preschool type town kids. The nursery will be expanded. There will be parking so that we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. Come on, right? I'm excited. Let me just get you a little more excited. How many would want to see a picture of what that's going to look like? Come on, throw that up there, guys. Come on, isn't that awesome looking? You can see over on the left-hand side is our current facility. And all of that on the right-hand side will be our worship center and expanded lobby and nursery and area out in the front. And all of, all of that that will basically about a, about a 12,000 square foot auditorium that will almost double, not auditorium, but building, that will almost double the size of space that we have now. Come on, that's pretty awesome, right? Pretty exciting. Now here's the deal. We're going to build this thing, but guess what? It's going to take work. <laughs> it's going to take people who are not afraid to stand out. It's going to take people who are not afraid to get, to get a little uncomfortable. It's going to take people who are not afraid to roll up their sleeves and go to work just a little bit, to take some steps of faith, to endure to the end, even through all the process of all of that, to see God do the work. And not only is it going to take work, guess what, guys? It's going to take money, all right? It just, it does. It takes money. In fact, This is how this is going to happen, that in order to see this building built and in order to see us be able to begin this this year, we're going to be taking a loan for $2 million. Everybody's like, $2 million? What? $2 million? What are we we building? The Taj Mahal? I mean, what in the world? But you have to think about for just a second. Let's put it into perspective. Think about your house. I know it sounds like a lot of money, but think about it. Think about your house. If you live in a house that's even 1,800 to 2,000 square foot, just think about how much it would cost for you to buy a house like that. And it would cost you even more in today's market to actually build one from scratch. And now think about the fact that this building is about six or seven times the size of your house. Not only that, but it's about six or, or it's about twice the height of your house. So think about that. You got twice as much material. Not only that, you got material like steel and think about all of the parking and all the concrete and all that. And so $2 million sounds like a whole bunch of money. And if it's just me by myself, it'd be a whole bunch of money. Believe me. But really, when you think about it, it's just the cost of construction these days. How much it costs? And it's not just me. It's not just you that's having to shoulder the load of the $2 million. It's all of us together as we do our part. And here's the good news. You ready for some good news? I told you $2 million and I shocked you, all right? But you ready for some good news? The good news is this. We can afford it. We can. In fact, come on. Yeah, yeah. We have proven that we can afford it because for the last two years, we've known that this was coming. We've seen the growth rate and we've known that this day was coming. And so about two years ago, we began to set aside every single month the amount that this $2 million would pay. We've been paying our own payment to ourselves for the last two years. You thought your pastor wasn't very smart. Come on, your pastor's... Right. And we have proved we budgeted it in and we've continued to move forward. The church has continued to grow. The ministry has continued to grow. We've even continued to add staff members all all the time, paying ourselves this payment to know that when this day came, we would be able to do it. Right. Come on. There's other good news. Other good news is this. We already have a lending institution that has already verbally agreed to give us the two million dollars that we're going to need to build the building. Right. Come on. So you say, Pastor, 
What's the next step? Well, the next step is simply this. We need you to do your part. That's why we're going public with this thing, because now it's your turn to get involved. The first thing that you can do is you can pray. Everybody say pray. You can begin. I know some of you already are, but you can begin praying right now. You know, as your pastor and as the leader of this church, as well as our staff and our pastor's council, we need wisdom. We've already been working on this for, for months, and we've been asking God and praying God that God would give us wisdom for several months as we've gone through this design process and all of the, the stuff. We've asked so many people to come and help us, but guess what? We need wisdom, and we need favor. We've already had meetings with the, with the city over civil engineering and all that kind of stuff, and they want all kinds of stuff, and we need favor with that, that God would give us favor there. So we need you to pray. Everybody pray. The second thing that we need you to do is, from our loan, from our lending institution, there one of the requirements to be able to loan us some money is that we will need a congregational approval. So what that means is that in two Sundays from now, on May the seventh, we will have our annual family meeting. We have this every year in May or June, where we talk about the business of the church, and then we elect uh, pastors council members. On May the seventh, we will have two of our pastors council members that have been serving that will be stepping off, and we'll be electing two. But also in that on that night. We will need uh, uh, approval from the membership of the church so that we can move forward. We can't move forward till we have that. After that, then we're able to, to move forward with contracts with our contractor and with, uh, with our architect to begin doing all that with the city, all of that kind of stuff. The third thing that we're going to need from you is we're going to need you to give. In fact, coming up this fall, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be challenging you and giving you the opportunity to give towards this project, to give above and beyond your normal tithe and offering with God's help. And we're going to go together. You say, I'm just one person. I can't make that much of a difference. But you can make a difference if you'll just do your part that together we can come together and make a difference here in this community. And some of you say, well, that sounds like a lot of money, a lot of work and all that kind of stuff. Why would we do all of that kind of stuff? I'll tell you why we're doing all this kind of stuff because God has given us a vision to change lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. And it ain't about buildings, although that's cool and that's exciting. No, it's not about a building. You know what it's about? It's about people. It's about your neighbors. It's about your friends. It's about your loved ones. It's about the people in your family that don't know the Lord yet, the people that you're inviting every single week. It's about making room for more of them. You say, is the vision changed? No, it's the same vision. It's just going to be multiplied to reach more people. It's about those 15 people that are going to be baptized in just a second. It's about those 28 people that surrendered their life to Christ last week on Easter Sunday. Come on. It's about, it's about those people that dedicated their children to the Lord to raise them up in the things of the Lord. It's about the people that don't know God yet coming to know God and the people that already know him being able to find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference themselves in this world. That's what it's really all about. It's not about a building. You know what it's about? It's about about people like our friend that told us this last week comes to church here. She was telling us about her friend that she goes to work with that had gotten pregnant and decided that she was going to have an abortion. And so she began praying for her friend. In fact, two Sundays ago when we finished up our series on James and we prayed over those and we anointed with oil just as James tells us to do that, This young lady in the church came down to the front and she was anointed with oil standing in for her friend that she works with that was going to have an abortion. And just this last week, I'm so excited to tell you that that friend told her other friend that comes to church here, I canceled the appointment and I'm not going to have an abortion. I'm going to keep the baby. Come on. That's the kind of stuff. 
That's one person. But what if that could happen for 475 people one time and two times and three times on a Sunday? Well, we're just going to build this thing and only fill it up once. No, we're going to build up. We're going to fill it up two and three and four. And then we'll move to another place and build another one and, and continue to reach people in our community because that's what God has called us to do. Every single one of us, you and I, we can make a difference together. And you know what happened? Noah stepped out in obedience to God, and it made a difference. It saved the world. And then what did God do? He came through with this promise. You remember the promise? The rainbow. The rainbow was the, was the promise that, that was fulfilled through Noah. And let me just tell you something, that God is smiling down with his approval upon the people of LifeGate Church as we step forward into the promise that he has for every single one.